What is wealthy? Have you ever wondered, are you doing everything you're supposed to at your stage in life? How about understanding basic concepts like asset allocation, estate planning, dollar cost averaging? Tune in today and we're going to cover all that as well as to know exactly where you are in comparison to your peers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. But wealth is one of those interesting concepts. It's it's almost turned into a hobby of mine when I get to know somebody well enough that they don't think I'm a weirdo. Right. Which takes I a mean, while. I'm about to say, how it long t- does it, it take to... F- it, it takes a while. So I guess we're still uh, not there just yet. <laughs> but I, I try to find out, once I know somebody well enough that they start asking me financial questions or you know just picking my brain about things, I'll pick their brain and say, hey, what do you consider is wealthy? Sure. Um, what's rich? Yeah. You know, because it's always, and it's very individualized. And what's funny is we talked behind, before we started recording today. And of course, there is the philosophical answer about having good health, right? Good family. But of course, this is the money guy show, moneyguy.com. We want to talk about the actual financial components that also go into it besides just the philosophical stuff. Right. And what's interesting is, is that it's all over the place, but there are studies about what wealth is. And you guys know, huge fan of Millionaire Next Door and um, Dr. Thomas Stanley, the, the late Dr. Thomas Stanley. And what I love about that book, and one of the things that tied into a lot of the stuff that's gone on my journey towards understanding money and getting better at it, one of the first things that grabbed me when I read that in the 90s was that 80% of millionaires are first generation. That's right. So as I was preparing for today's show, because what we're going to be talking about is things to think about at every stage of life. So while you're in your 20s, while you're in your 30s, your 40s, because everybody's always talking about components to success, the dollar cost averaging, the estate plan. But does that mean the 20-year-old should be thinking about things like the 50-year-old does? Nope. And, And of course, the answer is no way. So we wanted to kind of boil it down. Plus, I wanted to throw out some some data we found because there was as we were preparing after we got the show notes, we were able to come across um, this study, and it's uh, it's been out for a few years. But it's Thomas Thomas Corley, and this was published in Business Insider, where he was a contributor, and he talked about one of his books he did. But it tied in nicely to Dr. Thomas Stanley's work on what it means to be rich, what it means to be wealthy. So I felt like we could kind of integrate that as well as build up what you need to be doing at the different stages. Now, before we get into it, do we want to talk about your nerdy spreadsheet now or later? Yeah, so this is what I think is is really interesting. You know, I have a young daughter, you know, she's two and a half years old, and sometimes she'll draw me a picture. And I have to be very careful when she brings me the picture because sometimes she'll tell me it's a heart and it doesn't actually look like a heart, right? right. So this morning you walked in, I was like, Brian, I got a great idea for the podcast. Oh, no. Let me let me you lay really out pick let me, me lay out this spreadsheet. And you forgot for a second that when you look at it, you're supposed to say, Oh, that's awesome. Because that's not what you said. But this is what I did. I said, you know, if I'm listening to the show and I'm somebody that's in my twenties or thirties or forties or fifties, I'd like a litmus test to know, you know, where do I fall? amongst my peers that are the same age. So I thought the best way to do that was to go find some data on average income by age in this country. Well, the way that the data was laid out, it wasn't laid out by decade in terms of 20s. It was right. like, you know, 16 to 19, 19 to 25, 25 to 35, all through so the Bureau on. of Labor Statistics. Yep. So these are actual statistics that are uh, that are calculated every single year, you know, through some census, census data collection. And so what I did is, 
like any super analytical statistics nerd, I mapped out data points with all these averages, and then I calculated a best fit regression line, and then I extrapolated some average incomes. All that sounds really nerdy, uh, which I'm not, for those of you who are curious. You only get to use one more extrapolation. All right, so... So uh, then what we did is we calculated at each age what the average income is for a person that age. Uh, and then we did some really cool stuff to say, okay, if you take that and you apply the, the Dr. Stanley's Millionaire Next Door formula, which we'll talk about in a second, based on your peers that are that age, where should your net worth be? And it's just going to give you kind of an idea of am I ahead of the curve, behind the curve, on the curve? Uh, and it'll be nice. So as we talk through each one of those, I'll close out with sort of a spot check on where you are. And, and that's a great point. I think that we ought, we ought to go ahead and let me do some housekeeping first. This is the Money Guy Show. You've come to the right place, moneyguy.com. We've been doing this 12 years. I mean, soon we started in 2006. Yeah, I mean, we're about to be in our 12th year once we yep. hit 2018, So, which is pretty incredible. So go to moneyguy.com. If you have not signed up for the Smart Money Club, you're missing out because here's the thing. You would think 12 years worth of free information because of this abundance mindset. This probably, I don't know, what does it cost? A thousand dollars a no, year? Maybe five thousand. It's that good. It, it is that priceless, but we give it all to you for free for the sheer price of you just signing up with your email address. So we know who you are. So we can stay in contact. You get access to all of our archives. You get access to all of our blogs. It really is an incredible value for you to go back and, and do this. And remember, the whole purpose of doing this show, we started this as uh, really with the, the the passion and the purpose of trying to help people who didn't qualify to work with a financial advisor. I was trying to create a, essentially a classroom for people to go figure out the basics because right. I didn't want them to get ripped off. Fast forward a few years, and a few of you started reaching out going, hey, love what you're giving away on the show. Can we work together? And now we work with clients in most states in the country. And um, that that's all ties into the abundance mindset that we have here at Abound Wealth, is that we want to keep loading you up, make you as successful as possible, and then when you get to a level of success that you say, hey, I'd like to have somebody look over my shoulder as well as give me guidance, that's where we come in. Yep. So so go check it out. Um, but but that's probably enough to kind of jump into this thing. And before I do, I also feel like, because we just got through with our, our YouTube subscriber giveaway. Right. And I, I think it would be it'd be a remiss if I didn't say we had a special guest star on the Today Show. We actually have Mr. Marty McFly. <laughs> Here we go. From Back to the Future. Here we go. If you go to YouTube and look at this show, you'll know exactly what I mean. I'll just leave it at that. So let's kind of jump into this now that I've gotten the housekeeping out of the way. I'm sorry, Bo. I, no. I probably shouldn't pick. I, I wish I could be cool enough to wear that. No problem, Biff. <laughs> so let's get into this. I don't mean to get sorry because we have a lot to cover. Yeah, Bo. no, we got it. We had a so, crack. So the first thing, before we get into the actual stages, I want to talk about wealth in general. Okay. I was surprised because I told you I was inspired by the Dr. Stanley and finding out that 80% of millionaires were self-made. Right. There's this research that I found when I was trying to figure out, and here's what, where the rabbit hole started, is I was like, okay, when do when does the average person actually become a millionaire or wealthy? wealthy yeah. And um, Thomas Corley, his, uh, his definition of rich, by the way, is $160,000 of income okay. and $3.2 million of Assets. Not so that. so that's, that's bigger than Dr. Thomas Stanley. Sure. But what I thought was interesting was that his numbers were, didn't vary from Dr. Stanley's that much in the fact that he found that 76% of what he, in his study, perceives as wealthy um, 
were self-made millionaires. And he even broke it down further, and he said 31% of them come from poor households. Okay. And then... 45% come from middle class. Okay. So I thought that was truly incredible. And then the last thing was 1% reach this level of wealth before they're 40, 3% before 45, you know, 16% somewhere between 46 and 50. So it quickly shows, it, it, it sheds light on the fact that this pipe dream that we have of getting rich quick, the pipe dream that we have of winning the lottery, right. that's not the way most people who are actually financially secure and have have reached a level of status of wealth, the financial assets, they earned it the old way. Right, the, right. The, the hard, they worked really hard, and and they've they kind of come time into in. it. Yeah. And, I, and I tell you that just because I want, I'm going to share some things as we get into. I want to first talk about 20 year olds, the Roaring Twenties, as I totaled it, t- titled it, totaled it. <laughs> Yeah. It's total the roaring twenties. Yeah. I'm looking at new cars. I mean, so, so it probably ties into the total word, but, um, roaring twenties ties into this nicely because this is really an exciting time. When you're in your twenties, uh, I'm visualizing, I'm going back on, and you have to be self-reflecting. This is the time when you graduate college. Yeah, you're an adult, right? You, you're first you're time out on out. your own. Yep. I mean, so that, that's kind of, you got an adventure. I mean, that's why I call it the Roaring Twenties, and the world is your oyster. Okay. I typed that down, and then I, I immediately walked around the office. I said, "Does anybody know where this term came from?" It's like the like, world is your oyster. Some do it like pearls, right? Uh, it is. Okay. But and it goes back to William Shakespeare, the Merry Wives of Windsor, and there's actually a violent connotation tied into that, the Merry Wives of Windsor. But what it actually means in life is that. An oyster, the bigger the oyster, the more likely that it will have a pearl in it. Okay. But the bigger the oyster, the actual, the harder it is to open it. You usually have to take like a knife or something and pry it and really work on it to get it open. And that's, it's an analogy of life that hmm. the harder you work, the bigger you want to have things, the harder you got to work because it's going to take more work to get to that pearl. Which is so. And okay, we'll that etymology was for free. There you go. So, so that, <laughs> that's how. But keeping it going is that this is also a time when you've <laughs> got to figure out where your place in life sure. is. So the first thing I have, because for for the Roaring Twenties, I actually have, yeah, three of these things that I want to give you. Um, first one is discovering your passions, your career. And what gives you purpose? Yeah. And and here's a, a word of caution I want to give most of my my young listeners. Um, there is this new tendency where people come out, and because of the internet and technology, we all think we're experts. And I think this is just a natural thing that happens when when I was 20, I thought I was an expert too. Yeah, sure. Um, but I want to caution you that there is the the 10,000 hours to mastery, which is about five years of working under somebody, learning your skill set. So make sure you're investing in yourself. Yeah. Make sure you're getting the experience. Go find yourself a mentor. So the first thing is discovering where your passions are and what really brings you happiness, because that's what you want to do for a living. And this is really the stage stage in your life where you do have some flexibility to uh, to experiment a little bit. You can try a few different things in your early 20s. You don't have to have everything completely figured out. But you do want to make sure you don't let time get away from you because it becomes much more difficult to make those big life changes later on in your 40s and 50s and that sort of thing. Exactly. So, and that leads nicely into start saving ASAP. Now, here's the thing. When you're in your 20s, what is more important than the how is really the when. Okay. And, and I want to explain what I mean by this is because saving money 
is probably the most powerful thing you can do to build financial independence. Sure. And this hit me, you know, what's funny is I've been talking about this concept really since the 90s. I mean, this is when I, I went on my journey. I still remember, I've told you guys a gazillion times, when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, when I was sitting in that economics class, yep. I had the wrestling coach that was retired military, right. told me if I'd save $100 a month, I could be rich. And I was like, I can do that. It's because you I were mean, young. I mean, you and, and, and that's side. always stuck with me. And I've, and every time I talk to high school students, college students, or even 401k enrollment meetings, I tell people all the time that it takes, and, and I change, here's the actual numbers. If you're assuming you're earning 10% a year and you're trying to get to be a millionaire mm-hmm. by the time you're 65, a 20-year-old only needs to save $95 a month. Doable. A 30-year-old sure. needs to save $264 a month. So I've been giving that data out for years. But let me talk to you about compounding interest deconstructed. Because okay. when I saw this, I was like, holy cow. That's what I need to be telling people. If you do the math on that, if you take that $95 a month, that's 45 years of savings okay. if you think about it. If you do the math on that, it works out that you've only invested $51,300 in the markets. Oh, but you said that's how much it took to get to a million, yeah. right? So, so you see where I'm going with this because we're not going to do that. The, the, I'm not going to tell you all the I'm just going to tell you 94.9% of the money, that million dollars, is going to come from the growth. That is compounding interest deconstructed. If t- Think about that. I mean, if you can start saving ASAP 90% of your financial independence is going to come from that army of dollar bills working for you. So sure. you're not working with your brains, your back, your hands. That money's doing it for you. It almost seems like it's free at that point. Yeah. How could you not start saving? I brought this up on our, my Thanksgiving break with my, you know, 14 year old daughter, the 15 year old niece, niece and nephew that oh, I, yeah. I mean, this is perfect dinner conversation what, for what Thanksgiving. What else would 14 and 15 year old girls they, on they, Thanksgiving they were break want loving to talk it? Because, about. I, yeah. and truthfully, it might have been what changes their life. I yeah. mean, it only took a book to change mine. That's so right. hopefully this podcast will be the thing that changes somebody else's sure. life. So if you can start saving ASAP, it really is incredible. So if you think about the roaring 20s between your, your time you're 20 all the way up to 30, you can have the assets grow for you, provide 90% of your becoming successful by just letting the assets work for you. And while you could start at $95 a month, that would do the trick. What we say is that you really want to aim for saving 15 to 20% of your gross income. And I would encourage uh, the folks out there that are in this sort of stage, don't get caught up in the minutia. When you're just starting out, your savings rate is exponentially more important than your rate of return. So I wouldn't focus on what you're investing in. Am I buying this stock, selling this stock? Focus on the percentage of your income that you're saving and just go do something real easy like a target retirement fund exactly. or something like that. Great. And and here, while you're building these basic skill sets of good financial management, as you talked about the 15 to 20%, something that we don't talk enough about on this show because we assume that you've got the basics because we are beyond common sense, but it is something I think a 20-year-old is important, is understanding how to budget. Yep. I mean, so... Keep a journal. Keep an accounting of what you spend on a monthly basis so you can figure out how you can pay yourself first. And we'll get into for scarcity and other now, things a, later. A journal is a great idea. They also have these things called smartphones that have apps on them now. Um, so you can do the journal Come thing. On, if Marty not, McFly. Cool. You can't pick on me when you're wearing that. Well, I've been to the future. I know what's going on out there. <laughs> Number three. 
try to avoid these debt roadblocks. And you're gonna see you're gonna see a trend that I try to think about during each decade of your life. What are the things that could be roadblocks, debt issues, and other things? And when you're in your 20s, it's student loans. Yeah, you know sure. we talk about this on a lot of the educational podcasts. Is that think about when you choose a major in college, your return on investment that you'll get on that, and try not to leave school with a student loan that exceeds the first year anticipated pay. Sure. So if you think you're going to get you know have a job that coming out of college will pay you 30 to 35,000, try to keep the student loan between yep. below 30 to 35,000. That's great. Obviously there's exceptions if you're a doctor or a professional, right. but still you want to be mindful of avoiding large student loans. Sure. The second thing, don't Fake it until you make it by doing lifestyle creep with your credit cards. I mean, some people truly lose their mind in their 20s with yeah. credit cards and go out there and buy rooms full of furniture, buy all the electronics, and then they're paying for that stuff. And it, it doesn't allow them to flip the script and let that money grow for you and provide 90% of your financial assets. Instead, you're actually creating that compounding interest effect for the person that lent you the money. Or how often do we see someone who gets their first job, Brian, and the very first thing they do is not they can qualify for it, they go out and buy a luxury car because yep. now they have some steady income. Uh, there's just that's just not the best use of those assets at that time. Yeah, it's it's the whole saying we we you know, we've talked about it. Live like no one else when you're younger so you can live like no one else. I mean, Dave Ramsey mentions that and it's it's that whole concept of deferred gratification. So, here's your age 20s-ish spot check, right? So, uh, if you want to think about peers, the average income for folks in their 20s, your individual income should fall somewhere between $26,000 to $39,000 per year if you're on the average. For that group of people, if you want to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, which is the Miller Next Door formula, uh, which is your age times your annual income times 10%, and then you want to do double that. So multiply that whole number by two. It's age by income divided by 10%. Well, times 0.1 or divided by right, 10. Right, same, right, same, right, same mathematical right. formula. Uh, so what you want your net worth to be is um, if you're a single individual, $229,000 by the end of your 20s. And for a married individual, $458,000 by the end of your 20s. Divide by 10, which I see what you did there. You're smart. Well, I'm, That's why you get the CFA. Well, you know, math is kind of a thing. <laughs> so we come at the same place. So let's let's transition to the... The dirty thirties. Well, the the settling in the nesting thirties. That's oh, what I look at. It, is that you? It sounded much more wholesome than what I. Thought. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, woo, woo. I mean, like gritty and gritty and yeah, grindy. Settling into your thirties are 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 nesting, and this is this is what I like about this age is that you you're grasping more of who you are and what what brings you fulfillment, what brings you happiness. This is the, the the decade where I think you start connecting the dots, where you know what's going to shape your career, what's going to sure. help you in your personal life, so that you you have the life that you you really want to plan for, and it will really set you up for decades to come. So let's kind of jump into these. I've got four things we're going to talk about here before we get into your spot check. Okay. Number one, asset allocation. Now we told you in your roaring twenties that there's probably a chance. Well, actually, we said. The when is more important than the how. That's right. But that's because we're just trying to get you into that addiction to saving and building that foundation so that you are an empire builder. So when you get in your 30s, assuming you started in your 20s, you're probably starting to reach a certain level of assets. Sure. You know, getting that two to three hundred thousand dollar range where you're starting to go, well, there's, there, I, pro I might need a little more asset allocation sure. to, yep. to spread the risk out to, to to think about things a little deeper than just stocks bonds and cash yep. so that, that by all means 
We want to make sure that that army of dollar bills is being as efficient as possible. That's so right. that's why asset allocation is an important, definitely a component to understand when you're in your 30s. The next thing is, is understanding. Number two is understanding your relationship of risk and reward. Oh, yeah. And, and you're not just talking about from an investment standpoint either, right? Yeah, no, I'm talking about from life. Cause think about this. When you're in your 30s, there's a good chance that's when you start having children. You yep. start grow, focusing on the family. So as soon as you, you you get married, as soon as you have children, you probably want to make sure that you have wills if of you course. have children. Yep. If you if you have debt, if you have income that would need to be replaced if something should happen to you, you want to make sure you have life term life yeah. insurance. A, a good you know measurement measurement or benchmark is probably ten times your income. Yep. Um, so and then if you if if you own a house and also have good earning potential that somebody's counting on, you might want to have disability insurance oh, yeah. that's because true too, you're, yeah. you very likely could become disabled, not die, but become disabled. That's just as scary as somebody right. passing away. So you want to make sure you protect against that. Another thing that happens in your 30s is if you did start working early in your 20s and your mid-20s, you kind of have reached that point in time where you've accumulated those 10,000 hours of working experience. And so that does kind of set you up for some higher level things to be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you could take. Tr- Here's the thing: when you're in your late twenties, early thirties, you've got the five years or ten thousand hours of experience. This is, and that's why I like when you start figuring things out when you're at this age, is because maybe you ought to take that crazy risk. Maybe this is the age to figure out: Do I move to a different state? Mm-hmm. Do I start a new business? Yeah. Do I change careers? Yeah. Uh, you know, because. You've got enough wisdom about you that it's okay that you're that you're considering going a different path, and you still have enough time on your side if you're thinking about building towards your 40s and 50s and 60s that you can afford that risk. Your risk capacity is still pretty high at that point, and and that leads into the next component. Number three is dollar cost averaging. Um, I like because when we talk about you know compounding interest deconstructed. Remember how I told you when you're in your 20s, 90% of the money could come from the growth factor, right? You still have the chance while you're in your 30s to get cheap money. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, it, it, the actual statistics are for a 30 year old, 88.9% of the money is going to come from growth. 77.4% is going to come from growth for 40. So somewhere in that 80% sure. range is going to be the growth of the asset. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. You are hopefully at this stage, now graduating past just basic budgeting and you're doing more of cash flow management. Yep. You're doing for scarcity, which is, and I've talked about this many times. We've even done a full podcast on this. So you can go check it out in the archives. But in general, it's paying yourself first, creating enough automatic savings and funding things that it's creating a situation where no matter what's going on with your income, your success, that you are squeezing and funding those pots of money so that you know you're taking care of everything. And now you're probably prioritizing where those pockets of money go. You know, am I building money in my 401k? Am I doing Roth IRAs? How do I do my after-tax saving? And then one of the big things that we see that happens so often for folks in their 30s is this is that, that, that point in time where you have to be very careful not to let lifestyle creep exactly. set in. And, and that's, that's probably that, that debt roadblock, which was number four, was mortgage debt. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand before you go buy too big of a house or take down too much of a mortgage that you keep it because you don't want to be house rich, life poor. Sure. You want to kind of flip the script on that and have a lot of money so you can focus on savings, so you can focus on travel, focus on what brings you excitement in life. And a good a good benchmark for that is try to keep the total expenses for your house 
between 25 to 28 percent of your gross income. Sure. So here's your spot check. If you're in your 30s, uh, from age 30 to 39, your income uh, average across the country falls between 41000 and 49000 per individual. So if you're married, you can kind of double that. Uh, if you want to be that prodigious accumulator of wealth, according to the Millionaire Next Door uh, Wealth Formula, you should have an individual net worth of somewhere around $380,000 by the end of your 30s. Or for a couple, you should be just over $750,000 in net worth. I, I feel like this is a good time, and I should have given this at the 20s too. And you know, I pick up, this is probably, you probably mistook this look this morning when I was looking at your spreadsheet. I love the millionaire next door formula and the fact that it does give you a chance to spot check or see where you are. And just a refresher because I, I totally botched it up because I'm not as good at math as you, obviously. <laughs> not true. You might want to clip that um, and record it, keep it for later. But you take your age, multiply it by your gross income, divide it by 10, or if you're smart like Bo, you multiply it by 10%. It's the same thing. Um, I love this formula because it does give you some, some feedback, but I know when I look at this for myself as well as clients, sometimes when you're in your twenties and thirties, think about a doctor, yeah. think about somebody who's learning a skill set. You might not make a ton of money when you're in your twenties, even in your thirties, because you're still building that experience and expertise. Um, you haven't come into your own. Nor do you have a lot of discretionary income for saving. Either. So my opinion on the millionaire next door formula, it, I like it when you're 40 and over. Okay. So I, I like what you're doing with the Bureau of Labor Statistic data and trying to figure out where you are. But I think where it really adds value is 40 plus. Because sure. at this point, when you are in your 40s, you're making money. Yeah. I mean, you should be. That's why I try to give life advice to people all the time is that try to figure out everything that you need to for your career by the time you're 40 because there's all kind of weird things and that's why I titled this group the sentimental 40s. I'm in this. I'm middle of this actually. And um Bo knows because we've been talking about it on the, the show. Didn't even mean to say it that way. But um Bo knows that <laughs> since I, I crossed 40 that um I mean I have gotten more sentimental. Yeah, and I think sure. that the reason this happens is because when you cross into your 40s you start recognizing, okay, I'm not going to be here forever. I mean, and that's that's not a negative thing. Right. I think it's it's wisdom actually, is that you know that you're not going to be here forever, forever. So you start focusing on relationships. Oh. You start focusing on what do I need to be doing to create memories? Because he, here's the truth for me, and I think it's for a lot of people, especially if you're if you're a driven person. So much of your 20s and 30s is about attack, 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 because you're just trying to make your place in life. Yep. When you get to your 40s, you, you, you take inventory of where things are, and you realize, okay, I'm no longer a warrior. I'm now kind of settling in to, to, to realizing that this is, we're not here forever, and there's, there is something bigger than just conquering goals. Sure. It's, it's about being generous and, and, and making sure that my life reflects where I want to be. Sure. And um, so that's why I kind of transitioned into sentimental 40s. And the fact that I want you, number one I'd put here was take inventory. This is the perfect time where you can do that millionaire next door equation because I think that it is more in line. While at the time you're in your 40s, you've had the experience to, to work it. So you can work that out. Um, you also have the ability that when you're doing this formula, I want to go through another limitation because a lot of you guys, like I've already told you, what if you started hitting your stride in your mid thirties, in your late, you know, late thirties, early forties, where your income is going up, say six figures a year? Oh, wow. Yeah. I know that sounds great. So if you look at this and you say, okay, if I multiply by my current, my income last year, 
It just gets real big it, real it, fast. It gets ridiculous what it says my net worth should be. I would tell you if your income is going up rapidly, you know, level it out. Do, Do a three-year average yeah, so idea. that way it reflects it. Um, but then also, here's the other thing on taking inventory. Do a net worth. You know, we, we, you could actually start this in your 20s or 30s, but it becomes imperative by the time you're four, in your sure. 40s. You need to be doing an annual net worth statement. You need to be tracking what's going on so every year you can go back and it actually will turn into something that is very fun for you. And the fact that you can go back and say, how much did my liquid assets sure. increase? How much did my debt go down last year? How much did my net worth increase? And then it has this side benefit that you can share it with your spouse or your loved ones in case you are the financial manager of your household and they don't keep up with it as much as you, you at least can leave them a, a, a trail of crumbs. Yeah. So if something should happen to you, you got them covered. That's right. Um, you know, and this is also the time where you have a chance to save for financial independence. When you're in your 40s, it's not, you don't have to go, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm I haven't saved yeah. enough. I mean, I think in the 40s, you still have the ability to start saving. I mean, when I look at um, what what it is to have compounding interest deconstructed, when I look at a 40-year-old, they need to save $750 to $4 a month to, to reach it to millionaire status by the time they're 65. A 50-year-old has to start saving $2,413 a month. Yep. So you can see that somewhere in your, your 40s, you still have the potential for your money to grow, but it's only going to provide 60 to 70% of your growth versus 80 to 90% of your growth. What I'm hearing you say, Brian, is that in your 20s and 30s, there's sort of a bigger margin of safety. You can kind of accidentally do those well. In your 40s, if you are someone who's maybe not where you think you ought to be, you do have to be very intentional and very deliberate in how much you're saving and why you're saving it. Discipline is definitely going to come into play. It's not one of those things you're going to stumble into success sure. if you've waited until your 40s. Sure. Um, number two, are you doing enough to create fulfillment and joy in your life? And, and, and this is one of those things where uh, making sure you're creating those memories, do you know what brings you happiness? Is it travel? Is it a hobby? I mean, and I know that it sounds silly for you to listen to a financial podcast and us to talk about these type of touchy-feely yeah. things, but this is the age where you realize it, it, it is more than just the goals. There's actually, you have to get into the philosophical stuff if you're going to do it right. And, and wouldn't you agree, Brian, that, you know, at being financial advisors, one of the most fulfilling parts of our job is when we do get to meet with clients who've done a great job saving, or maybe they're still in that accumulation phase, and they are set up to pay themselves first, and they're doing all the things that, that they're supposed to be doing, we can step in and sort of relieve them of the guilt that they feel spending money or going on that expensive trip exactly or upgrading right. the car. We can be that voice that says, hey, it's okay. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You can now do some of these things that you want to start doing. I think it's an important thing. I talk about this. You guys, you're listening to a financial podcast or you're watching us on YouTube, and a lot of you guys become really good at saving money. Mm -hmm. One of the things when you develop such a good skill set and you see how well your money's working for you, it is hard to become a person that consumes and spends. Sure. Um, and, and But I will tell you that this is the age, when you're in your 40s, if you've done everything right in your 20s and 30s, this is the deal I've had to make with my family members. And I've shared this with, with clients as well as podcast listeners, is that this is the time where you can start. If you check the boxes when you're in your 20s and 30s, it is okay. I, I feel like sometimes, like I just got back from Thanksgiving, we took the whole family down to Orlando, yep. had my in-laws down there, my mother down there, had nieces and nephews. And it was nice that I was able to cover 
a, a lot of the right. stuff that went on down there without feeling like you were without, sacrificing. But, but here's the deal I made with my wife. I told her if we lived this way in our 20s and 30s, by the time we got in our mid-40s, I would pull back on the throttle, and I'm worried I'm going to lose my my card for for being a tightwad. I mean, but it, <laughs> but it is one. But this is why you do it in your 20s and 30s. Yeah, is so that you can do these fulfilling things that that are going to make you very happy in the in the future. What, what's the spot check? Uh, on these 40-year-olds. Yeah, so if you look at the average income for folks that are from age 40 to 49, uh, for individuals that's somewhere between 49 and 52,000. So for a household, you know, that's 100 to $110,000 a year. If you want to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth by the end of your 40s, your individual net worth should be somewhere around $512,000. And then this is kind of key and it ties in very nicely. For a couple, your total household net worth should be closing right in on that million dollar mark. Yeah. By the end of your 40s. And, and, and that ties in nicely to that study I read from Business Insider yep. where it takes the average person, because we're now going to talk about the legacy building 50s, but the average person who's building wealth, mm-hmm. it takes 32 years to get rich yeah. From, yeah. from the research of this thing. So It happens what, right there in that 50s. So if you think about that, that is in your 50s. You, had, you got out of college when you were 22. Yep. You add 32 years of that, it's right there at the, the mid part of being in your 50s. That's right. And this is what's cool about this. You're wise enough to know what you do, the do's and don'ts of life. Um, you can start thinking about the vision because you're getting to the point where you will need to start thinking about what's the next stage of life look yeah. like. Um, does that consist of moving closer to grandchildren? Does this mean that moving you moving closer to the beach? Yeah, move, exactly. <laughs> Making it's funny you say that because yeah. that's things my wife is always asking me about too. Is that do you think we'll retire here? Or we go retire at the coast? Sure. This is the time to really start thinking about this. And then you also need to think about what does retirement mean? Mm-hmm. You know, there is nothing that says that retirement means you leave work altogether. Right. It might mean that you're just working less or you're going and you're going to become a student, or you're going to transition to a new career. Or go do charity work. Or do or... charity. I mean, you need to start, in, when you're in your 50s, that's why I titled it Legacy Building 50s, is this is the vision planning stage where you can start putting it all together and seeing that you have the life that you've worked so hard um, to be the master of your sure. own destiny. So let's talk about these. Number one, fine-tuning your vision plan. Kind of already mentioned that, but this is when you really are going to pull out the abacus uh-huh. and get nerdy with the spreadsheets. You like that? I'm just, if you could see Marty over here, I'm grinning from <laughs> ear to ear. But you will want to pull out some type of financial, uh, you know, Monte Carlo simulation or website or something or work with a financial sure. advisor. It's crazy for me not to mention that where you can fine-tune the plan. So, Because you really do need to start Stress testing, you know, figuring out if you're on the right course sure. of action to be where you want to be when you cross that 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 threshold of being financially independent. Yep. Um, number two, what does your debt management plan look like? This is so important. I think a lot of people were surprised to find out because they're they're all kind of. If you ask a financial advisor, what's your thoughts towards debt? You'll hear all kind of answers, yep. and, and and nobody's. Truly wrong. It's more of a philosophical thing. There's some advisors who think you should never pay off your mortgage because it'll be the cheapest money you could ever borrow. Um, then, then there's other people that will have you pay off debt while you're in your 20s and 30s, 
What we like to see people do, we love people paying off their debt early, but we want to make sure you are letting that army of dollar bills work. So we want you saving 15 to 20 percent of your money towards the future, coming back to the debt. And then the overall plan is making sure by the time you retire, by the time you leave the workforce, you have no debt. You want to have even your mortgages paid off because you're not truly financially independent. You're not free. Unless you're unencumbered. Yep. And unencumbered means you don't owe anybody anything. Sure. So make sure you have your debt management plan figured out while you're in your 50s. Number three, button down those risks. This is the last stage. You know, here's what's cool about being, if you, if you make it into your 50s and you're of good health, this is the time to start thinking about what happens if I can't always take care of sure. myself. Because it, the best time to get long-term care insurance from an underwriting standpoint, is typically in your 50s. So you, you can think about that. Also, it's a time to take inventory of, you know, don't want to go, you know, do the Appalachian Mountains right. because you're of good enough health that you can still physically go do that stuff. So so come up with those type of things. And that transitions nicely into number four, which is what is financial independence? Um, you know, if you have goals that you want to involve the children you want you think your your children are, are you know disciplined they've turned out to be really good with their money which by the way people listen to the financial podcast when you call us i'm always amazed at how many of you have very successful yeah. adult children yep. i'm really impressed by that so if you do have those successful and, and and independent children and you want to share your financial goals with them so they know what's going on don't keep your life, your right. financial life a secret. Go ahead and start bringing them into it or probably in your fifties. And then charities and organizations that you'd like to, to, to support and go deeper with. Mm-hmm. This is the age for, for that to, yeah, to, to start sure. exploring those options as well. And then the last thing I had was, are there any crazy wild dreams? That you want to evaluate, write a book. Oh yeah, yep. you know, um, do you Go want on that to, big family trip that you've always big talked family about. trip to Australia or yep. something like that? This is the stage where you look at all those things. The other thing that I throw in on on the, when you mentioned number three, the button down your risks. You know, you talked about thinking about adding long term care insurance. If you are someone who is thinking about leaving the workforce or you have reached financial independence, you also get to take some risks off the table. Maybe you no longer have a need for life insurance. Or yeah. Maybe you no longer have a need for disability insurance. So it is an, an interesting stage from a risk perspective where your risks kind of kind of change a little bit. Um, so here's your spot check. Uh, when you're in your 50s, 50 to 59, if you look at the average person that age in this country, the income is somewhere between 50 to mid-50s. If you want to be a prodigious accumulator of wealth, you should have a net worth just at $600,000 as an individual, or if you're a married couple, you should be around $1.2 million for that average income threshold. And that's So if you think about that, just because I want to put it in perspective, because I think it's important, if I was in my 50s, uh, my ears would be perking up going, do I have enough? Am I, sure. How am I comparing to my peers? You're saying, because you said the average 50-year-old is going to make between fifty dollars to $52,000. Right. If you think about that, I think it's in terms of two people in a household. You're probably talking about a household of $100,000 yep, a year right of income. So right. a person with $100,000 of income should have one point two. Yeah, would you say around there? One point two. So, yep. so that's that. That makes sense. I could see that. Sure. And, you know, and it's all going to be relative to where you are. And here's the biggest thing. I like what you're doing with the spot check, Bo. And I think what's important is that yes, you might make more money or you might make less money than 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 the numbers we're talking about from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But you can apply it to understand that you know, hey, if I make two hundred thousand sure. dollars, probably going to need. You know, I need to have $2.4 million yeah. by the time I'm at this stage. You can apply it to where you are 
um, in, in your relationship and to your income. I think that, Brian, you would agree with this. And we have clients that are in this situation and, and, and folks that we've seen who are they might have a low six-figure net worth, and they are completely financially independent. Oh, sure. And then we have some clients who have high seven-figure net worths, and they're still not quite there yet because it is very individualized. I mean, there, there's this unique thing going on. You know, I pick on it because, you know, I get bored. It's rainy outside, and I don't want to be productive. I'll watch all the, the, the tiny homes. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you read about all the fire people who are leaving the workforce super early. But there are people. I mean, this is not a new trend. I will tell you, we work with people all the time. That, you know, are school teachers and other things that, that get into their fifties. They've, they've got the 30 years of experience at work. So they qualify some, for some type of pension. Yep. And truthfully, they don't, they don't require much. That's they right. might live off of $40,000 a year. And if you take social security plus the, the pension good. or their savings, they're perfectly fine. So you're exactly right, Bo. It doesn't, you don't, to be wealthy does not mean necessarily a millionaire. Totally subjective. It's all built into what does it take? To create abundance in your yep, life. That's right. So let's let's talk about sixties, and I titled this the new beginnings. And and here's what this is. I like to bring things full circle. What I like about when you're in your sixties. Now I'm not in my sixties, but we do work with clients of all stages. Sure. So I, I like the fact that I get to live through our clients to have some experience and knowledge of what these people feel like, and. Here's the point where you're executing on the, all the decades of savings, all the decades of planning that has gone into the, this master plan of building financial independence. This is when you get to execute. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, as much as I love the analytics, this is also a decade where your emotional side is going to come in and be just as important because we have people that, as I've already mentioned, when, probably in the 40s or 50s stage when I was going through it, it's hard to cut off the saver's mentality yeah. and, and building, 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 and now become a consumer yeah. and a distributor of the assets. Right. So it is one of those things where you're going to feel, I, I think it's full circle in the fact that, remember when you're in your 20s? Think back when you're 21, 22 years old and you're close to graduating college. You have that creepy, it's not creepy, that's not the right, you have this awkward, weird feeling that, oh my God, I'm so excited about what can be, but I'm, I'm scared to death. Yeah. It, it is, it's awkward because you are excited and scared at the same yeah. time. I tell you, I think when people are in their sixties and they're at that threshold of figuring out if they're, they're going to be leaving the workforce, they're scared, yeah. but they're excited at the same time. So it's, it's important to, it, it, it really does tie back to the 20 yeah. year old is because and that's why I titled it the new beginning of sixties is because this is an exciting time yep. to transition your life. So let's talk about the two things I want to make sure you're thinking about there. Number one, measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys, you know, you're in your peak earning years when you're in your 50s and even in your 60s, but sometimes if you're specializing, you're, you know, you, you spilt an entire career, decades in the making of building up all this earning power. Sure. I tell people all the time, make sure you are measuring twice, cutting once, because once you put in that notice... It's hard to get the water yeah, back up the hill. Sure. So that's why it is so important to make sure when you're making those major financial decisions, uh, definitely look over it, yeah. look over it, even potentially hire somebody to, right. to make sure that you have thought about all the variables, you've done the Monte Carlo simulations, that you are assured that you're going to be in a pretty good place in retirement. Because it can be scary. Because yep. um, imagine what happens, you retire... Or you leave your your current high income position to go do something that that you find more fulfilling at this stage in your life, 
And then the market takes a 20% dive in year one or right, two yeah. of your retirement. That can be scary. You need to make sure you're thinking about those things. That's so that's right. why number one is measure twice, cut once, and make sure you make that big step yep. correctly. Number two is life is truly full circle. I wrote down in your 20s that discover your passions, career, and what gives you purpose. And here I am saying again for that decade of your 60s, because it is the same type of awakening yeah. and an opportunity and, and I think that's the part that I like about working with retired people is you do get to see their journey. I mean, we get, we have podcast listeners who are in their fifties and sixties who've crossed that threshold right. of financial independence. I love them sending us pictures from some of their great adventures that they're doing. Um, and, and we, you know, it brings us fulfillment. Yep. Um, Bo, I noticed you didn't do the spot check because you're probably figuring at this point you're well, across th- the threshold. Oh, I thought this is what was so beautiful. He- here's your spot check. Are you where you want to be? We already mentioned it may be low six figures. It may be high seven figures. This is that point in stage where it's completely subjective. Are you doing the things that you want to be doing the way you want to be doing them, when you want to be doing them? And have you planned well enough that you have the options that make that possible? That's your spot check. This show, this was a potpourri of, because I'll be honest, before I, when I did the show prep, it was more touchy-feely than, than analytical. Sure. I'll let you get a hold of it, and you added, I think we got the nice little mix. It's like a, a nice casserole we just created. A little yin and, and yang. And we got the, the touchy-feely, it's definitely the things you need to be thinking about from a vision standpoint, as well as some of the analytical stuff, so you can figure out how you measure up with your peers. And um, I, I love that. I like it when we can marry those two things, so you get the analytical as well as the sure. the qualitative stuff, so that you can know subjectively if you're doing the the right thing in, in your life financially. Um, you know, I think it'd be crazy if I didn't mention because we just crossed over um, Thanksgiving. Yep. Thanksgiving, we historically we've always done Black Friday, Cyber Monday type podcast. We didn't do that this year because I feel like it's it's kind of been there. Who doesn't? Because remember, the whole creation of Cyber Monday is because none of us had computer computers at home with a great internet connection. Right. So you waited until you got to work Monday to do all the online ordering. That's not true anymore. No, I mean, even. I think the average American um, is is has a good internet connection. And I think it's funny. I before the, even the week of Thanksgiving, I bought. We have a brand new employee that's starting um, next week. Yep. And, and what's interesting about him starting is I bought his computer. I bought everything. The week before Thanksgiving, because everybody was calling it Black Friday, yeah. so that's why we didn't do that. But I do, I do think it's important, and, I, and I've always put this stuff at the end because I want you to know the the the, the subjective stuff that's not really part of the podcast. Um, we're thankful. I mean, th- this podcast, guys. I, I tell you, when we started this in 2006, had no idea where we were going with this. Uh, in, in the fact that I, I knew where we were going, in the fact that the purpose was to help people make better financial decisions. But I had no idea we'd end up where we had clients all over the country, yeah. um, where we were able. It, this was going to be the sole thing that allowed me, because I, you know, at the time, at 2006, I didn't have a special needs daughter, right? And this single-handedly is the reason I was able to pick up a business, move it to a completely different state, so that my daughter could go to better schools. You could have better opportunities. Yep. Um, that is, I, I got to tell you, coming through Thanksgiving, there is nothing more fulfilling than to take a risk and, and then also do it with the right heart, the right purpose, 
and see it just kind of take a life of its own. So I, I, I tell you that just because I get, I get emotional, I get sentimental. Would you call this um, the sentimental 40s? It, it definitely is, right but it, 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 it don't, don't ruin it. No, no, because I do get emotional about the fact that thank you. I don't know if I tell you guys enough, but thank you for everybody who, who listens. Um, I know a lot of you come in, you, you consume the data, you get out, and that's why I put this at the end. But for those of you that stick around, it means a lot. And I appreciate you guys kind of being part of the journey. Um, go check us out, moneyguy.com. If you have reached that point where you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and you're starting to get concerned, hey, I've done a great job of checking the boxes off, but I'm starting to get nervous. Where does this fit? Am I doing what I'm supposed to? And you want to have a, a professional opinion? Reach out to us. You can go to moneyguy.com. You can go to Abound Wealth. Um, we love what we do. We plan on doing this. I, if I had my way, we'll get to do this because I'm still only in my mid-40s. Yep. Love to do this another 20 years. So um, we're going to be there if you'll be there. So thank you for being going on the journey. I'm your host, Brian Preston. We'll talk in the next few weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. (laughs) 